The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. Hey everyone, welcome back to the 5 Tool Podcast, and this week I talked about some college basketball with Sahin and the UNC-Duke game that happened this week, everything that unfolded with Zion Williamson, so just talked about the game, talked about the Zion situation, talked about what we're looking for in the season moving forward, so we had a good time with it, and obviously Manny Machado signed earlier this week with the San Diego Padres, so once Harper finally signs with the team, we will do some MLB talk here. So thanks for listening. Hope you enjoy. Okay, so for this week, I'm here with Zion Das. And Zion Williamson's really kind of the story of the past 24 hours leading up to when we're recording this. Duke UNC was last night. A lot of hype for the game. Incredibly expensive seats. Obama was there, ready for just a clash of the two Titans. And then in the first minute, Zion's shoe explodes. And then... <laughs> He goes down. Duke can't recover. UNC just annihilates them. So, Zion, you're a UNC fan. So, uh, what are your thoughts just on, on the whole game and then just on the win? Well, I got to tell you, it, it sounds absolutely absurd that I would say this, but there's a part of me that's a little disappointed oh, at yeah. this point, not because of the game, but because I feel like the narrative is like, oh, like, oh, too bad. Like, Zion went out in the first minute and it was just over after that. When people forget that, like, Duke has right now three of the top five projected picks in the draft. Like, this is still an absolute – and it's not even including, like, Trey Jones, who's pretty good. Like, this is an absolutely stacked team that Carolina probably wouldn't have been favored to beat even without Zion from the beginning. And they just whooped him. Like, they never even had a chance to get a foothold in the game. It was as much as, like, 22 with, like, five minutes left or something. So, to me, like, it was a really, really impressive performance in Cameron – and, like, I know you lose your, your big guy and there's, like, a big momentum and emotional side to that, too. But I still think that people are underselling the fact that Tariels go in and just absolutely run Duke out of the building. Yeah, I mean, the story of the game was Duke couldn't stop UNC. UNC could just get into the paint time and time again with May or whoever, really. And here's – okay, here's my thing with, with Duke. Zion is incredible. He's awesome. But with Barrett and Reddish, I haven't been incredibly impressed with them. And I know they're all like top five picks. But for me, if you're, if you're RJ or Cam in that game, that's a moment for you to step up. You've had some inconsistent play. I know that uh, Barrett had the triple-double last time out. But he's had a lot of rough shooting days where he hasn't taken over in the way you do, in the way that a consensus like top two pick should. And for them – they were able to score, but it wasn't quite enough. There was never a moment when they were able to just kind of grab the reins of the game and say, hey, like, I'm the best player on the floor. This is, like, my game. This is my time. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to lead my team to the win. And it seemed, like, very lackluster, too. The one thing that Duke, you can really notice when Zion's out is the depth really isn't great. When you have Jack White out there, who I think has missed, like, 23 consecutive three-pointers or something, it, it just hasn't gone very well for you. So I think, yes, a big part. I mean, the, the narrative of this game will clearly be Zion went down. 
wasn't a real test to see which of these two teams is the best and we'll kind of pick it up um, when, whenever they uh, play again. But it really stood out to me just how much Duke needs Williamson. And if he's not at 100% ever, they're just totally screwed. So, so when we get to the tournament, Duke's been considered odds on favorites throughout the year. I don't know if you can slot them in there anymore just because Zion's going to need to have like 20 and 10 every single time out. Yeah, it's interesting what you say about Barrett and Reddish because one of the things I'm wondering is after the season, you know, is there going to be any change in the mindset of high school kids when they're picking a place? Like, is it the best decision to go to a stacked team where you know you're going to be with two other lottery picks? Or are you better off just going to some team where you have the ball every single possession and you can put up consistently good numbers and always be dominating? Like, what's better for your draft stuff? You know, I think it's an interesting discussion. The exact same thing with Trey Young last year where he had the ball every single time out and he was able to put up incredible point and assist totals because the whole team's offense just flowed right through him. And we know that that worked out pretty well for him in, in the end. So it is, it's a very valid question because we've had Reddish now this entire season pretty much standing in the corner and playing off of these two guys and it hasn't gone incredibly well for him. So it's definitely something to uh, kind of consider. Now, as for the UNC side of things, how are you feeling about your team moving forward? I feel great, man, because, you know, before the season, if you'd asked me what the recipe for success was, it would have been like feed Nasir or something. Like I would have assumed that Nasir Little would just be, you know, physically dominant and crashing the boards and getting 20, 30 point games. And he's remained in this held back, you know, unpolished role. He got, what, two points last night? Yeah. And, and like it's kind of supposed to be like a testament to Roy Williams' system where he doesn't play the stars unless they play well. Like he's willing to sit freshmen and like make him learn a lesson. But he, he just hasn't come to life. And North Carolina's playing at this elite level, frankly, much better than I thought they would without uh, Nasir Little. And Luke May, by the way, keeps impressing me. Like I always thought of him as this like, you know, purely a college guy. And maybe he still is, but he has been really, really impressive. Like He's, he shows a lot of senior maturity, I guess, but he's also just been very dominant in a lot of games uh, against physical, physical, difficult opponents uh, to play offense on. So he's, he's been impressive. I feel great about this team. And I think that especially with Duke showing some of the weakness that you mentioned, like this is a year where like from the top 10, there's not a whole lot of difference. So I think it's going to be a really exciting uh, March. I think for me, I think just with these two teams, I got annoyed with – the three-point shooting, and I know analytically, yes, especially in the NBA, that whole nature, that whole way to play the game has really kind of uh, it's uh, taken over where we know that a three-point shot is much more valuable than a mid-range shot. It's just one of the best shots. That layups, dunks, you just go right into the paint or you shoot a three-pointer. But these two teams shot combined, I'm just scrolling through it now, UNC 2 for 20, Duke 8 for 39. They were 10 for 59. So I think at a certain point, you have to adjust. Because if you're Duke, you took 39 three-point shots. That's more than half of your total attempts. They had 72 total attempts. If you know early on that you don't have it, why do you keep shooting threes? Because the only people who could really make threes were Reddish and then Barrett. And they weren't even shooting at that great of a percentage. So I don't know. I think it's, it's a complaint that I've had now for a couple years in, uh, with the college game that 
Yes, I agree in the NBA, three-point shooting is king, but that's because they can make that shot very consistently. In college, we've had so many tournament games. Even, like, if you're down by two, they'll uh, chuck up, like, a deep three-pointer for the win. And it just – it doesn't make much sense. It's time to rein it back in a little, especially if, if you're in college, maybe an 18-foot jump shot. In this case, it's okay to, like, mix it in a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. It, it is a weird thing. And, and we've talked about it before, how it's such a college thing, especially when they're, like – in consideration for a lottery pick to just like abandon all logic, especially at the end of games and just pull up from like the logo. And uh, I do think a lot of it is this idea of wanting to impress scouts, like a, with your range, the classic, like he's shooting from NBA range. Like, well, you don't have to just to show that you have that capability to, you know, shoot NBA range, but it's also just like, I don't know. I think it's a certain confidence that they kind of want to exude that like they can just do that, just pull up and stuff. But yeah, last night it it was weird. Like you said, Barrett and Reddish, the only ones who were even making it at like a pretty decent clip. Um, I actually understand and I'm okay with Tar Heels shooting that poorly and that much from three-point range because I think they had such an amount of dominance in the paint, as you alluded to earlier, that if they had even slightly started hitting, then it's buried. Like that game's buried even earlier, like if they started hitting from downtown. So I'm okay with them taking that shots. Duke, on the other hand, yeah, it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. Um, and it was, I guess, one of the things that just looked never really gave him a chance to get back in the game. Yeah, I really do think they're going to need either Jones or maybe even Jack White or Marquise Bolden just to step up at some point in March because when you're relying on, like, two guys so much in the way that they have this year, I just – I'm waiting for – it takes one fluke game in March to get knocked out early. I So I had them slot in as, like, my – clear favorite for a while leading up to this game but now I'm a lot more hesitant about kind of where they're at I don't feel as great about it yeah I you know I personally still think I don't know like I was like 80% sure they were gonna win the championship a couple months ago I still don't think they'll do the old like Duke early exit that's been happening the last few years I think they just are too much for any small team to even get hot and I mean maybe if a team shoots like 70% from three-point range but I do think that they're susceptible to have one of those games like like we've seen them have against Gonzaga or like tonight against UNC, even with the fluke, where like if the other team has the star power where they can like hang, then like they can do it. They can they can overturn, you know, the three lottery picks on the other side. Because like you said, they're so reliant on those guys. So now we have this whole story about Zion and what he should do. There's been a lot of talk. NBA players have, you know, offered their own thoughts kind of on the whole situation. And there's been a lot of chatter about how, oh, he should sit the rest of the year, not worth it for college. He's, he'll be making millions, I mean, millions upon millions in a matter of months. No reason to risk anything now. And then, honestly, if I was Zion Williamson, I would probably say it's what we saw with uh, college football, like a good amount now, where more and more people are just ending their, their season early, especially like with Nick Bosa this year after he suffered – a pretty, you know, considerable injury. He just shut it down, no effort to come back, just ready for the draft. And I would do the same thing. I just, I'm not getting paid for this. I know that I'm just here for one year. I don't know how much, you know, he seems like he's a very competitive guy. So maybe that's why he's headed to the NBA and then I'm not because he constantly just wants to win whatever he's in. But if it's me, I would shut it down because I just feel like it's the more safer, you know, way where, but this way you're ensuring that like you will get the maximum pay that, that you can for all of your abilities, I guess. Yeah, it's it's an interesting question. Because obviously, like, we want to say, of course, he should play, you know, like, 
do it for your teammates, blah, 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 all that stuff. But when you look at it logically in his position specifically, I think it doesn't make a lot of, it's like the case for resting is a lot stronger. And I say that because I think if it was a slightly lower player, you have something to gain by showing coaches that like tenacity and like wanting to play and, you know, believing that you could have like better stuff to show. I think there's something about that confidence. But the fact that he is so highly touted right now, like to crazy levels, like what may be the most we've seen since I've been following college basketball as a prospect. Like, I don't think his, his stock would suffer because people are like, he's resting or like are worried about his injuries. I think if he rested, he would still go number one overall. Oh yeah. If he, if he shut things down now, he would be the number one pick in, in June. Cause there's just no way he's done everything. It's just ridiculous. You know, again, the only way that I could conceivably see him falling is, you know, if he suffers another injury and then those concerns start to crop up. But as of right now, with the information we have and what we've seen, he's by far the top prospect. So I think that, I mean, I don't think he sits. Yeah, he won't sit. I don't think he sits. He's, I think that he just wants it too much. And I think just also, I wonder, you know, how much blowback there would be against him, especially for maybe like the older uh, college basketball fan base. I don't know how he feels about like whether he would feel like he would be. Also think about that. At the age of 18 or 19, when you have the national spotlight on you every day and you're getting all this praise and your dunk is on Instagram every single night, like that it must be addicting, man. It's hard to turn that down and have to face critics who will start doubting, like you said, those older fans and stuff. Like, I don't think I'd be mature enough to make that decision. I'd be like, no, like, this is amazing. Like, I love this. I'm going to go back to playing and being like the king of college sports. So, yeah, I'm, I, I really doubt he rests. But it is, it's interesting because it's probably the better decision logically. Yeah. I mean, also, I think when you're 18, the allure of a national championship is still fully there when you're on a team that can win it. Maybe if you're like a 28-year-old NBA star, you kind, of, you kind of look at it in hindsight and think, okay, well, definitely not worth it based on, you know, what I know now. But you're just out of high school. You're right. Like what you said, all of a sudden you're on ESPN every day. Everyone's cheering for you. Highlights are just everywhere, even more than the amount that we saw from him when he, when he was in high school. I, it's to be the king of a college sport all over the country. That's a hard thing to kind of turn down. You're right about that. Yeah. Um, so now I guess just to kind of wrap things up for this you know, quick kind of emergency podcast, what do you think – Based off what we know now, what would be like your sleeper pick since we're getting kind of close to March? And I don't know, the March Madness schedule is wildly late this year. Like the first round doesn't start until like the 21st or something like that. But based off of where we are right now, if you have like a sleeper pick, what would that team be? Mm, I mean, it depends how deep a sleeper we're looking for here. (laughs) I don't know. Because I think like teams – around the middle of like the AP rankings right now are very dangerous. I mean, Michigan's pretty high. I think Michigan is super dangerous. I think uh, Purdue is very dangerous. I think they're going to be tough to beat. Um, Actually, honestly, deeper than Purdue, I don't really have anyone who stands out. I just think that Purdue has has a great combination of like returning talent right now. They still have that crazy size and harms, Matt harms. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I probably can't go much deeper than Purdue. It was like 15th ranks. So it's not really a sleeper, but that's what I see right now. I don't have anything wild, but I'd say the two teams I guess I'm kind of looking out for that probably won't get as talked as much about is one, Houston. You know that I'm a UConn fan. You know that I'm partial to the AAC, but 
last year Houston was the Rob Ray show. That was all anyone knew. He just dominated the ball and kind of, and I mean, he did well with it. He scored like a bunch of points, but what I would say with Houston now is really well-rounded team. They're, you know, they can space the floor real well. A good amount of guys who can like shoot the three at a very successful rate, a lot of good guard play. So I would watch out for them as just a team that can get hot and make a real run. And right now they're ninth May people. So again, that's not exactly like a deep sleeper battle. I don't think most fans are looking at Houston as a team that can possibly make like the final four even. And I think that they can. Also, you in particular won't want to hear this, but Villanova for me. Oh, they are. No. Okay. I can't agree with that. Okay. All right. Bias. They are. Think of how many bad losses they have. I know. I know. They have made up the most, the worst losses in the top like twenty, low key. But see, here's my argument: the talent that's on the floor. I agree. I admit they're not great this year. This isn't, you know, never, this is far from this is far from the Wildcats that we had last year. But the amount of talent that they have on that floor still really stands out. So if there's a team that can kind of find itself, the year that I'm sort of thinking of was a few years back when we had Kentucky as an eighth seed against UConn as a seventh seed, where both those teams had a lot of talent, but it took until the tournament for things to kind of connect. And then uh, Calipari made that like tweak or, or whatever. I think, this, I think this Nova team, if things come together, which it may not, I think that they can make a run. That's my argument. I don't know, man. I don't know. I will say, okay, we want one deep sleeper to throw in there because I saw him on the bubble today in Lenardi's latest – or wasn't he – it wasn't Lenardi, it was Andy Katz, whatever that guy's name is. Um, Georgetown. Ooh. You know, I got to tell you, because I think what happens a lot in tournaments is a lot of it, as we say, is about like emotions and nerves. And when you're a higher seed and you play like a seed that has a player like Mac McClung, yep. you don't want it. You know, you hate being, you're like, oh, shoot, we have to game plan for such a good player in like the first round. And I don't know, man, he's got a lot to prove. He, he's a very popular guy. He's been, on, he's been a lot of viral dunks and stuff. I don't know. I could see a little, little magic happening if they even make the tournament, which is not a given right now, but they just beat Villanova. So. Yeah. I saw them play a couple weeks ago and McClung's just really fun to watch because he does everything with a flair. So a lot of no look stuff, a lot of dunks where he might not necessarily have to like no look a pass through an opponent's legs, but he'll just kind of do it anyway. So he, I mean, I definitely want to see that team in March just because it's a lot of fun. Right. So I guess just to wrap things up, what would be – what's your champ pick right now? Right now, it's hard for me to not say Duke. I think, like, it's entertaining and good for the fans that there's some hiccups along the way. But obviously, if Zion surprises us and makes the decision to sit, it's a different ballgame. Yeah. I, I really don't think you can have that much star power and not be the, the strong favorite. I agree. I think that they're the clear favorite. I mean – as long as he's on the four, they're the best team in the country by far. If he sits, I guess I would throw like Gonzaga out there. They just seem like a natural kind of second pick, like a lot of monster talent there too. So Don, I appreciate you coming on. So thank you for listening and we'll be back next week. Bye.